Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be this morning. As we've been kind of working our way through the gospel of Luke uh, since Christmas, we've been uh, not going through necessarily verse by verse, but making sure we're, we're strategic and focusing in on several passages. And so as you, if you've been navigating through this journey with us, you'll, you'll see if you kind of look ahead into chapter 19, that, that next week where we're going to find ourselves is the triumphal entry that Jesus is getting closer and closer to approaching Jerusalem, which means means the cross is more, uh, is nearer than it was before as, as his ministry is culminating and as he's heading there. And so what we're going to notice and see is not that Jesus has been soft before because he hasn't, but, but he, he's loosening uh, the filter a little bit of, of, of what he's saying and the impact and being a little bit more blunt in his teaching. And we're going to see that in, in, in three verses that we're going to look at this morning. Luke 18, we'll start reading at verse 15 in just a moment. Before we do that, though, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to be gathered in here together. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to, to sing songs to you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to open your word. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we study this morning, as, we, as, we, as I share, Lord, as we, as we read, as we, we pray, Lord, that you would open hearts and open minds to, to hear your message, Lord, and that we would be transformed more and more into the image of Christ, Lord, and that that is, is who we would, we would radiate and what people would see and what they would come to know simply, Lord, by, by being near us, by hearing the words that we speak and, and seeing the actions that we share. And so, Lord, I thank you for every individual that is in here. Lord, as we're just going to be reminded in your, in your words and here in just a moment, Lord, we are, we are so grateful for our children who, who are gathered right now as well, worshiping you, studying your word, offering prayers, and maybe just maybe, Lord, maybe, maybe one or, or few or, or many right now in this moment could come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and we'll celebrate you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What, what Jesus is, he's loosening that filter a little bit, speaking bold words. What we're going to notice today is, is Jesus is really going to kind of go counterculture. And, and Jesus is going to go counterculture, not with the Pharisees that we're, we're kind of used to. We're used to the Pharisees saying or doing something and Jesus stepping in and going, hold up, time out, that's not what you're going to do. But what we're going to see here this, this morning is that Jesus is going to do that with the disciples. 
Jesus is going to go to those who should get it, those who should know, those who have been encountering this, and go, hold up, time out, you're, you're missing it. Let me correct you and set you on the path that you need to understand as he's headed in his obedience toward Jerusalem. So let's start reading Luke 18, verse 15. It says, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Verse 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. All right? Now, this is the passage, these three verses, what we're going to look at this, this morning. And if we're not careful, we'll only see the children as the illustration. And now we're going to do that at the end of, at the, end of the message. We're going to take like the back half and, and understand this illustration that, that, that Jesus is giving us. But if we're not careful, that, that's, that's the entirety of the message is the illustration. But, but verse 16 is something that we also need to see as well. And what Jesus is going to do is establish the, the value of children for the disciples to understand. Now remember, the disciples are going to be the church planners. The disciples are going to be the ones carrying on and, and moving forward in, in the mission of, of God when, when Jesus ascends into heaven. They're going to be the one filling the streets of Jerusalem and going out all over Europe, North Africa, the Middle East, and some all the way even to as far as India and carrying and proclaiming the gospel. And so as Jesus corrects or, or rebukes those disciples, like he here establishes, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are God's creation too, equally made in the image and likeness of God as you have. And so we got to understand the, the value of children, and it's what comes out in these first two verses that we, that we read. Now, now Jesus is a, a known person, and, and people flock to him. When people hear that Jesus is, is coming into town, that, that for some of them, he is a spectacle that they must see. They've heard stories and, and they want to find out who he is for themselves, not, maybe not necessarily for salvation, but for other reasons. Now, Jesus is a known person. He's, he's known a, as a healer. I mean, I mean, just imagine if you've gotten word that there's this man who has brought dead people back to life, that has called blind people to see again, that has literally walked up to, to people who have been paralyzed, who have been lame their entire life, and Jesus says, get up and go, and they stand themselves up not with weak legs anymore, but with the full strength that an adult would have, and immediately they begin to walk. You'd be like, I mean, I need to check that out. Like, he's coming to town. Like, he can do things that normal people can't do, even if you don't think he's the Messiah. There's some things about him, you're like, I gotta, I gotta check this out. So people flock to him. Also, Jesus is a, is a teacher that's different than the norm, all right? Now, now every so often, I feel like, politically speaking, what, what kind of happens in our country, regardless of what side that you may fall on, is that there's someone who comes out in your political party who kind of goes a little bit counter against and maybe speaks into an area that you're like, oh, I like that. I want to hear some more about that. And so we, 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 we dive into that, like the first time that I can remember that happening, I don't know if you remember this, was, was when the Ross Perot thing happened, right? 
And so Ross Perot came and people were like, whoa, that's some things that I like. Let's go find this out and hear more of what he has to say. Well, there's kind of been that movement within Christ as, as well in Jesus's ministry. He's a teacher that's going a little bit different than the norm. And so people here, he's coming into town, right? Like they can't get on YouTube and watch him. He's here. Let me go find out what he has to say. He's also done some things that are, that are different that would have caused specifically different groups of people to feel like, man, that's someone I can approach. One of the things that, that maybe we don't emphasize enough, but we need to, is Jesus not just including, but Jesus welcoming and valuing women. And it's been the case throughout Scripture of what God does and how God works and God moves as men and women both made in the image of God in the Imago Dei. And so Jesus' teaching is like, no, no, I know before this was only like for, for guys, but, but, but ladies, like you can come forward too. And we see in his ministry and those that are surrounding him that his inner circle is not just men, but his inner circle is women as well. And then on a whole nother side, the group of people, both men and women who have been excluded, you got to think there's, there's people who are sinners who have, been, who have been culturally established that they're not the norm and they can't come. And Jesus says, no, 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 I welcome you. So as Jesus walks into these towns until he says things that makes people mad and causes them to scramble, a lot of these people are like, nah, he heals dead people, he welcomes sinners, he welcomes women, he's going counterculture. Man, I want to hear what he has to say. He's, he's kind of got like this, this phenomenon that is following him. And so what we see here is that as Jesus enters into this town, as he's teaching, there are people who are hearing this, this buzz about who he is, and so they're like, let's bring our babies to him, Right? Let's get close to him. And, and literally what they're doing is as Jesus passes by, when Jesus sits down to teach, they're like, hey, hold my baby. Hold him. That, that by you holding and touching my child, that my child might be blessed. Now, not because he's the Savior, right? That's not their motive, but because of what they may believe him to be, whether he is that or not. And the disciples see this happening. And the disciples are like, no, we got an agenda. We got things to do. We got people of importance. We got people of value, right? The disciples are more maybe used to uh, the, the ladies coming forward and the, the sinners coming forward, but, but babies, what is this? And so if the, the movement for them, if this movement is gonna happen, right? Like it won't be because of toddlers and babies, Jesus. Let's clear these out from where you are. But look back at verse 16. But Jesus called to him saying, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to suffer belongs the kingdom of God. Now, at this point, Jesus isn't giving us the illustration. Jesus is placing value on kids right there in that moment. So the illustration is going to come in the next breath, but right now, who are you to stop a child from coming to me? In fact, clear the way, bring on the babies, right? This is Jesus's ministry. This is his life. This is who he is. And so a couple of things before we kind of dive into the illustration of this, I want us to understand that, that children need to come to Jesus. And as a church, as adults, 
as men and women who say we're mature in our, in our faith, we need, to, we need to make sure that we understand that and that we implement that and that we don't fall. Parents, listen to me, children's ministry workers or those of you who are hearing this who should be serving in children's ministry, but you're not, right? Listen to this, okay? The Bible is not just for good moral teaching so that our kids will behave. It's not that for you. It's not that for them. So many times when we sit down with our kids, we just want to take the Bible and help our kids be more respectful. Not that it's a bad thing, it's a good thing. There, there are these lessons that we can take from them that we can learn, but the root of all of this, right, is the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus says, let them come to me, for such belongs the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus wants to focus in on, is that as they come to me, here's what they can gain, not right behavior, but the kingdom of God. And so for us, if we value children the way that we say that we value children, the importance of what we need to do is sit down and proclaim the kingdom of God. I had a parent call me a few weeks ago. It's on a, a weeknight, and, and, and my phone started ringing, and I was sitting down to eat some dinner. And answered, and he said, hey, Bill, I just want to tell you something that happened in kids' ministry this week. Like, all right. He said, my daughter on the, on the ride home says to me, Daddy, do you know who Jesus is? And he said, yeah. Who do you think Jesus is? And his younger than preschool age daughter begins to lay out an explanation of the gospel of who Jesus is, of what Jesus came to do, of what Jesus did, of what Jesus asked from us, and what it looks like when a life is repented before God. And his statement to me at the end of that was thank you for not babysitting my kids, but thank you for sharing the gospel with them. Children should come to Jesus and we need to push that through. But also the second thing, church, don't be like the disciples here. Don't hinder children from coming to Jesus. Don't dismiss the value, the truth of what children and children's ministry means in the engagement of the body of Christ. Because Jesus says, for to such belongs the kingdom. So as important as this is right now, as important as this is what we're doing, right? As that fifth grade small group leader sits down with that group of kids and imparts the gospel, it's of equal value that's there. And we as a group of people, we as the body of Christ should engage in that. And so my concern for us this week is that we would just slide through verse 15 and verse 16 and land on verse 17, but miss of what Jesus is laying out in here as the value of children, the, the, the continual proclamation of the gospel. But let's jump now and, and, and look back at, at verse 17, the illustration that Jesus is going to give. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, we got to pause here for a second because Jesus gives us a qualifier. 
Jesus says, hey, look at yourself here for a moment. Look at the people who say they want to be a part of this. Here's what it needs to look like. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Not might not enter it, but shall not. Jesus speaks to a definite motive here of what he is seeking for them to understand. Like There's got to be a faith like a child, a response like a child, and what will even look like continual fruit like a child in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the difficulty for you and I in this world is there's going to be sinful tendencies that you and I face on a day-in, day-out basis that prevent us from being childlike, right? Now, there are sinful tendencies that cause us to be childlike, but there's also sinful tendencies that prevent us from being childlike, and this is what we're going to look at in here. Three things that, that I believe that we can draw from this and begin to understand of what it means to have the faith like the child so that verse 17 rings true for us. And the first is this, wonder like a child. Wonder like a child. Uh, have you ever played peekaboo with a baby? You ever done that? You ever played peekaboo with an adult? Right? Two different reactions. If you don't believe me, next time you're in line at the grocery store and there's a baby, play peekaboo. Next time you're in line at the grocery store and there's not a baby and there's a person standing in front of you, play peekaboo, right? See what reactions you get. Now, if you're a mom or you're a dad and you're standing there with your baby and you come up and play peekaboo with them, just understand you are now engaged for the next three hours, right? Because the moment you stop, that child begins to cry and that parent's gonna be on you. So, all right, you're going home with them. You're gonna help them do the groceries and peekaboo the whole time, right? Well, here's what I'm getting to. When you play peekaboo with a baby, it amazes me, right? They are always surprised, you know what a child never does? A baby never says, nah, I knew that was coming. Right? Like, you're going to do that. You're going to wait and peekaboo. And they're, they're going to lose it every single time. They always laugh every time. And they never want it to end. They're continually amazed with the fact that a grown adult will put their hands over their face, pretend like they're not in the room, and then whether you wait a second or a minute, throw your hands back and say those magical words or that magical word, peekaboo. They're amazed every single time. And what we see in Scripture is that when mature men and women of faith encounter God, they're amazed and struck into wonder every single time. And so there's a lot to be learned as a believer in Christ from watching an adult play a silly game of peekaboo with a child that as that child is amazed and captivated, so too does the King of kings and the Lord of lords that every time you open up his word wants you to be captivated by who he is. That every time that we fall on our knees in prayer, there's a desperation in the moment because he hears us and is with us. 
that every time that we gather together in a room or we're sitting in our car on the way to work and that song comes on and we begin a reckless abandonment of singing in the car or in here because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is listening to us, there's a part of us that's there that we are like the child who's there with the peekaboo caught in the amazement of God. But the Bible describes that there's an internal struggle that you and I have. And what, help, what prevents this and what moves this from us. And it's because we're, we're, we're fascinated with the, with the beauty of new. We're fascinated with wanting to move from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And we very rarely just want to stop and kind of dig in the moment with where we are. That at our core, we're not satisfied. And so what that projects to is unless there's something that's brand new, we just wanna, we just wanna move on. Over time, we become bored with what we know and we think we'll only be satisfied with that which we don't have. And it's sinful and it's where we find ourselves with God. And instead of digging in, right, we just wanna move out. The hardest battle that I've walked through with, with people in this, they seek to grow in their faith comes around the two-year mark. Someone new comes to Christ, or, or maybe you've walked away and you're now re-engaging back in your relationship with him, re-engaging with the church. And there's, there's about a two-year of, of what I've seen about a time frame. And over those first two years, what you're getting a lot of is you're new in Christ, you're young in Christ, you're immature in Christ, and so you show up and you're like, you're like a child, and you're like, feed me. And we're like, great, I'll feed you, and I'll feed you, and I'll feed you, and I'll feed you. And your small group leader's like, we'll feed you, we'll feed you, we'll feed you. But then at some point in time, we go, well, and now there, there's a moment that you, you gotta grab the spoon and you got to dip it in yourself and in God's word, and you've got to feed yourself. You've got, you've got to dig in here for just a moment. And in those moments when the, when the difficult point comes of digging in and feeding yourself, around that two-year mark is where most people go, well, no, nah, I'm out. I'm out. This is too hard. And instead of digging down, our, our tendency is to quit. And we quit in a, in a couple different ways. I want you to picture someone who's, who's digging a hole. Jesus uses digging a hole and a foundation all the time about what it means to walk in a relationship with him. And I've seen this in my life at different points in times and season and in the life of so many others that we walk along beside as they seek to grow in their relationship with Christ. That when it comes time, when they kind of hit that two-year mark and they begin to dig down and dig down and dig down, and then all of a sudden that they, they hit a spot that's a little rough, that's a little hard, and they don't know what to do. The first thing that oftentimes people do is they set the shovel down and they just sit there. I'm not going to dig anymore. I'm gonna wait until someone else can do this for me. I've tried and it's too hard. You know, I've had a quiet time for about three days and I'm not really understanding a lot of it. I've really tried to pray, but, but God's really not answering my prayers in the way that I think that he should or I don't know what to say. So I'm just gonna wait and let someone else do that for me. And instead of being amazed by the wonder of God and being able to understand that we've gotta just kinda of dig down and dig down and dig down. Or the second thing, what I think is even more troubling is we just drop the shovel and walk away. So you know what? This ain't worth it. The life that I had before was a little bit easier. 
The life that I had before wasn't as complicated. The life that I had before didn't cost me as much. I'm sitting here, and, I, and, and, and my, my, my arms are strained, my back's wore out, and so I'm just going to drop it and, and, and walk away. Jesus calls us to something different. He calls us like a child and to be fascinated at every moment and at every part with who he is. So, man, yeah, sometimes it's like, it's like digging a hole at my house. Man, we have 345 feet of sand at my house, right? And you just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. And then I go to my parents' house in North Augusta, and they have about this much topsoil, right, and about 345 feet of clay. And so digging at their house is like, oh, I just removed the grass, and now I broke my shovel, right? And so regardless of wherever we are, that every, with every scoop, no matter how much comes out, as we dig in, as we, as we press down into, there's the wonder and the amazement of the child of, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what was there. It was like a child with peekaboo. I don't care how many times you stand there and do it, it amazes. And I don't care how many times that we stand there and read another word or read another page or offer up a prayer or engage in a song or hear a story, there's the amazement and the wonder about who God is and, and what God has done and what God is doing. The wonder of a child. The second thing that I want us to see, what Scripture supports, is to be dependent like a child, right? Now, in order for a child or an infant, maybe specifically, to get what they need, they are dependent on people who care for them, right? Like whether you have kids or not, like, like, like you know this. You know that in order for a child to get things, they need you. I'm understanding that more and more, even as my kids are entering into their teenage years, because I'm getting a lot of daddy I need, daddy I need, daddy I need, and we're walking through, do you need, do you want, like where are we at, how many pairs of shoes do we need, right? But it's what we're going through. They're dependent on me. Like Emma and Grayson, they've never made a mortgage payment, right? I, I'm stoked when they cook Craft macaroni and cheese for lunch on a Saturday, right? Like this is where we're, we're going. They're dependent on us. And God says that he wants his, his children, that God wants his people to be the same way. Think about the illustrations, the, the pictures that God paints of, of who he is to his people, right? He's God the Father. Jesus over and over and over again says that he's the good shepherd, all the way back into the Old Testament where we continually hear and get the picture of the shepherd. That God is his shepherd and the people are his sheep. And I love that. And here's why I love that picture so much. Because no matter how old a sheep gets, no matter how many years they've been with the shepherd, no matter how well they know the rest of the flock, no matter how many times they've grazed in the field, the sheep are dependent on the shepherd for everything, right? The shepherd protects them. The shepherd sustains them. The shepherd disciplines them. The shepherd guides them. Now, here's what's hard for us. As Jesus puts this into counterculture for us a little bit for, for then and for today. If we look at how we raise up children, and this is a good thing. I'm, I'm not preaching against this. I'm trying to push forward with my children in this, all right? So here, here's a good thing in our world that we do. As my kids mature, 
where I'm hoping they go to in relationship with me is more and more independence, not dependent. So at a young age, as a baby, they were really dependent on me. And as they grew older, they became more and more dependent on me. So now we're at the point where one of our kids comes and asks me a question about what they need to do, and I know an answer that I'd like to give them, but the answer that I give them is, what do you think? What do you think you should do? Because in five years, and, and before that, but in five, like when you're out of the house and you're on your own and you're in that apartment or that college dorm room, like, like you gotta make your decision then in that moment. So what do you think? So we want our children to gain independence. Get a job, find your own way, figure out who you are, buy a home, start a family, begin within yourself to cultivate a life that God has for you. And so here's the hard part of it, as they mature, we want them to gain independence, but the gospel calls us that as we mature in Christ, we gain more and more dependence on him. The more mature I am in Christ causes me the more and more to realize how dependent I am on him. So when I was young in my faith, when I was immature in the things that I would do, I would be the sheep that says, I want to wander off and go find out what this pastor's like. But I want to wander off and figure out the path for my own. But I want to do these things. And God says, no, 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 no. You're like a child. You're like a child. You're like a child. You got to be dependent on me. And so that in everything that you do, in every decision that you make that is run through and filtered through the gospel, everything, everything, so saved at 22, I'll turn 42 next week, 20 years of salvation, and here's what I understand more today than I did when I got saved, that I need God more, that I need God more, and that I need God more, and that I'm not capable in and of myself to do anything in my dependency on him. So every decision I make, I want it bathed in scripture and in light of the gospel that is in me and who I am so that God leads me on the path and on the process of who he is. And that's what being dependent on God looks like. And that's hard for us. Because somewhere along the way, we've taken the earthly standard of maturity and we've applied that to our spiritual life. I don't need to pray about that. I know what God wants. I know what we need to do. James says in, 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 his, uh, in his letter, in, in James chapter four, he says, do not be the person that says, I'm gonna make a plan and go to this town and this town and this town and make a certain amount of money and then go and leave, but instead bring all things before the Lord. Be dependent on him with everything with who you are, with everything that you're about. Oh, but I got work stuff. Bring it before the Lord. Be dependent on him. And then lastly, what I want us to see, and we'll close on this point, is not only do we need to wonder like a child and be dependent like a child, but we need to be desperate like a child. Now, there's not a creature in this world more desperate than a baby. Here's what a baby can do. Thought a lot about this. I got a little bit of experience. A baby can sleep. A baby can cry. A baby can eat. A baby can have bodily functions, right? And last, probably the most important thing, a baby can look cute. I can't really think of anything else that a baby can do. That's what babies do. They cry, 
They sleep. They eat. They go to the bathroom. They, they throw up. They, they, they look cute. Now, only two of these five do they do correctly, right? Like, no one has to teach a baby how to cry. They don't like something. They let you know by raising their hand and say, Mom, Dad, excuse me for a second. I don't like, no, they cry, right? They know how to do that. They do that well. Babies know how to look cute. They're just born without ability, right? They can just sit there and look at you and you're like, I'm done, right? Like I'm in this moment, right? They can do that. But, but everything else, right? We gotta, we gotta train them up. We gotta, we gotta teach them. We gotta work through this, right? The, the hardest thing for us, and, and we finally achieved this at like year six, was teaching our kids to sleep, right? Like, like they couldn't get it. They couldn't move in that. And so we were all, we were a family of sleep-deprived individuals till, till like, like seven years ago, right? Like we even got to teach them how to go to the bathroom correctly, you know? Like no, 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 not on yourself. Like that's a bad idea. Like here's what you need to do. And they fight against that. Like kids and who they are, like they know they need to eat, but yet they're like, but I, I, can't, I can't figure this out. Like, I can't move my thumbs, and I can't do what I need to do, and I don't even have the strength for us. Doesn't it amaze you? Like, they don't have the strength for the spoon, but all of a sudden, a baby can go ninja on you in a minute, right? And, like, catch you in the nose, and you're done. I don't understand it, right? So a baby has to be trained in, in, in what to do. And if they face a problem, their answer is to cry. They can't fix it. They can't do anything in and of themselves. If a baby is, is hungry, they can't fix that themselves. They need it to be done for them. Whatever's natural for a baby at the very beginning, right, still leads them in their points of desperation. Let's prove it to you. All you moms and dads out here with babies, next week, we're just going to have the nursery open. Just going to need you just to drop them off. Nobody's going to be in there, right? You're like, well, then I guess I know that I'm not coming back here ever again, right? No, no, we wouldn't do that. Why? Because they're desperate. They need someone to clean up what they've done. They need someone to take care of what they can't take care of. If you leave a baby alone to figure things out, here's what happens. They die. They come into this world blind, helpless, afraid, weak. And unless someone steps in, every child that is ever born is headed toward instant death. Every one of them. There ain't a baby in this world who survives on their own. So go back into this setting with Jesus. He's there, and mamas are handing their babies over to a man that they've never seen before. There's a crowd, and people were pushing and trying to fight to get to where he is. The babies are, are there and they're being handed and, and pushed back and forth as the disciples say, no, 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 no. And I, I would have a feeling, Scripture doesn't say this, but I've been around enough babies to know, right, that there begins to be a noise that happens and the babies begin to cry. And Jesus says, 
unless you're like that, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Right? Unless you're as desperate as they are, then you can't enter in. The Bible teaches that you and I, apart from Christ, that we are like a baby, that we are blind, we are helpless, that we are afraid, that we are weak, and that we are headed for instant and eternal death unless Jesus steps in and saves us. As we close this week, I want to ask you the question, do you have the wonder and amazement for God? Are you dependent on him to guide you and to lead you? But I think the most important thing that we see and that we're going to close with this is have you understood and do you understand that you and I cannot bring ourselves life? The law won't bring it. The people around us won't bring The only one that can bring life is Jesus. And are you desperate for him? Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, thanking you for who you are. Lord, for what you've done. And for what life looks like with you. Lord, I pray that we would have the faith of a child. Lord, that we would be in wonder of your word, in wonder of our relationship with you, in wonder of what what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do. Lord, that we would be captivated and amazed by by the work of your hand in the miracle and in the ordinary. Lord, I pray that we would be dependent on you, not for our way or what we think needs to be done, or but that we would understand that a desperation for maturity is not found in our independence from you, but in our dependence from you. So Lord, with everything, with, with who we are, may we bring it before you. May every decision that we have to make be poured over and may your will be, be sought out. And Lord, lastly, as a child is, is desperate to be saved, may we be desperate for you. A child who cannot defend themselves, a child who cannot sustain themselves, a child who cannot give themselves life, a, a child who is, who is laying there, stuck in the mess that they've created for themselves, blinded by their sin, afraid of what tomorrow holds, helpless, weak, wounded, crying Lord may we understand that that's who we are and while a child cries for anyone to save them Lord may we be desperate and cry out to you it's not religion that saves us it's not the law that saves us but it is Christ and Christ alone faith by grace And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning 
who does not know you or that today will be the day in their moment where they become desperate for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to save them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to go into a worship set. Two more songs. I want you to respond like a child this morning, all right? I want you to respond in the wonder of who God is. I want you to respond in the dependence of, of how you need him. For, for the next breath that you take, without him it will fail you. And I want you to respond in the desperation that you have to every day to be saved from yourself. So would you join me as we stand and respond to him? Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.